0: of the Tales from Eden Road and Beyond podcast. My name is Zach Freeman. I'm the Lancaster Bible College Director of Athletic Communications. I'm joined by Bob McMichael, a 1993 graduate of Lancaster Bible College. Bob, how are you today?
1: I'm doing great, Zach. It is uh, Wednesday here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It is a beautiful day in Pennsylvania. Finally, we have warm weather. It's getting up close to 70 degrees. What do you think about that?
0: uh, Yes, I'm greatly looking forward to that. You and I worked a lacrosse game this past Saturday where it was um, not 70 degrees, probably less (laughs) less than half of that. So uh, I'm looking forward to feeling my fingers today out at lacrosse while we stat and uh, broadcast that game. So uh, we are joined today uh, by two very special men to uh, LBC Capital. The first is distinguished professor, Dr. Harold Kime, and also joined by Professor uh, Gordon Gregory, who serves in the Bible and Theology Department. Uh, Gentlemen, welcome. Oh, good to be with you.
2: Yeah, it's great to be able to spend this time.
0: So we've had a great couple of episodes so far, kind of digging through some of LBC's past. We spoke with uh, President Emeritus, Dr. Peter Tagg, a few weeks ago, and uh, he had shared some great stories with us, and then last week with Dr. Shirley Tucker as well. So looking forward to kind of uh, jumping around in the history of LBC and uh, not to disparage, but you two covered a lot of ground in LBC's history, uh, so to speak, so we're looking forward to hearing some stories perhaps that we haven't uh, heard before. Uh, Dr. Conner, I want to start with you. Um, over the past couple of podcasts with Dr. Tegg and Dr. Tucker, they both brought up how instrumental you were in bringing technology to the campus, whether that be computers, fiber optics, just about anything you can think of, and how um, LBC was a little light in those departments prior to you, perhaps uh, bringing it up. What made you kind of see that as a need for LBC when you just um, when you know when technology was first kind of coming about the past uh, you know few decades? What made you see that need and kind of uh, bring that to LBC?
3: I came to LBC as a student in 1967, and uh, I actually walked onto campus less than a month after I accepted the Lord. Uh, I was at Drexel Institute of Technology uh, working on a degree in electrical engineering when the Lord got a hold of my life and changed my direction. So I had some background in the area of uh, computers, though it's hard to believe. I actually took computer, computer courses and never saw a computer. Uh, all we ever saw uh, was the uh, punch card machines. Uh, you, you would go in the old IBM punch cards. You would go into this huge room that was filled with um, uh, desks having punch cards on them, and you would punch out your computer program, go put it in a bin, and come back the next day to see what happened. Uh, they ran all of these in batches overnight. So I had a little bit of interest, I suppose, in this whole area of math, science, and so forth. Uh, when I came to LBC, um, there were no personal computers. Uh, there were the personal computers didn't start to come out until after I became a professor at LBC, and it was in uh, 1982 that I purchased my first. Uh, computer. It was a Tandy Radio Shack TRS-80. And I know exactly when it happened, because that computer came in the mail and was delivered to me on the same day that we brought our daughter home uh, after she was born. And my <laughs> wife to this day complains that I spent far much more time unpacking uh, that computer than I had uh, dealing with uh, a new daughter in 1982. But I began to—I um, was attracted to it. It uh, back in those days, the uh, uh, personal computers came with the basic programming language built into them, so you could teach yourself BASIC. And I decided to do that, and I began to create some games uh, for my two boys. Uh, my daughter wasn't old enough yet, but the two boys, I wrote games on memorizing the books of the Bible and memorizing scripture verses, um, and and I kind of became infatuated with this as a learning tool, What what you could do with it. So a few years from then, I suppose it was maybe 83, 84. I started a computer club on campus and we got some donated computers. I remember we had a couple Commodore 64s and uh, a couple. Um, by then, Tandy had a color computer uh, that was out and uh, back underneath the um it was underneath the staircase in the old library building uh, where ultimately Shirley Tucker uh, made the rap center. Her first rap center was back there. Well, before it became a rap center, it was the place where we had our computer club. And so uh, I began uh, just you know, messing around with some students on these computers. And at the same time, Dr. Peterson was uh, really trying to urge faculty members uh, to get a doctor's degree. Wanted terminal degrees, that was good for accreditation. So uh, everybody was urged to get their doctorate. And I looked into getting a doctorate from various uh, seminaries. And the problem was that back in those days, they didn't have any online programs. So you actually had to quit school go for a year or two somewhere and get your degree and come back. And I had a young family. I didn't want to do that. And so I put it off. Well, I used to read computer magazines. That was very common. And I noticed that there was an advertisement in one of these magazines for a um, a PhD or actually it was an EDD uh, in computer education. And I thought, wow, that would be great. That meets my interests. Um, and so I started at uh, what was then Nova University, now Nova Southwestern, which um, um, Dr. Teg, uh is also a graduate of that as, as well as I believe Penny Clausen is a graduate uh, of Nova. And uh, I was able to do it online, but it was pre-internet. There was no internet. So we actually had to dial into uh, a mainframe computer uh, down in Florida and you took your courses, you used your computer as kind of like a dumb terminal. And as part of my doctoral program, you had to do projects and the projects had to be related to your school where you were employed. And so uh, I began to think about what kind of projects can I do at Lancaster Bible College. And I decided that one of the first things that would be nice to do would be to put in a computer lab. Um, The library, uh, the old, again, the old library building downstairs, the center part of the library was being used uh, for stacks and so forth, but there were a a couple of storage rooms that would have been on the southeast corner, I guess. And um, they were available. So I asked if I could use that space, and we used it to put in the first computer lab uh, that LBC had. We had 16, they were uh, IBM PC-like computers. Uh, They were Sperry, Sperry Univac, um, which became Unisys uh, afterwards, Sperry computers. And uh, that was right when networking was beginning to come in. And, and by the way, those were the first LBC owned computers on campus, those 16 computers. What we had over in the business office, which was in old Maine, were a computer, a couple computer terminals, they weren't computers. They were dumb terminals that were tied into a local business's mainframe, and we were using that uh, for uh, our, um, you know, administrative purposes. So I, um, I got together with an alumnus, his name was Phil Tice. He had a local business doing computer networking. And uh, Phil and I worked on putting together the first computer network on campus, 16 PCs in one room tied together through coax cable, which is the kind of cable that used to be used for TV antennas, if you can remember back that far. (laughs) That's how we got started. Uh, That was, I I suppose that was probably in the maybe early nineties, 1990-ish in that range uh, or so. Um, I thought, you know, it'd be great if we could extend this network upstairs, that's where a lot of the faculty were located in the second floor of the old library building. And uh, that was also when um, networks were changing, they, they were no longer using coaxial cable, but they were put together uh, in a configuration that used Um, almost like telephone wire, it was called Cat5 wire. I think Cat5 is still being used to to this day in some locations. Um, So we extended it up to uh, faculty offices and uh, faculty wanted to be able to do email. Uh, The internet was now coming, the internet kind of hit in about 1990 so uh, we needed to have our own address, our own domain name. And I can remember going down to Phil Tice's office up down on Eden Road. And uh, uh, Phil and I talked about it. and He said, well, lbc.edu, that would be a, a, good, a good domain name. And we chose that. We wanted to get it before Liberty Baptist College got it. So uh, we did, and in 1995, we were registered with a domain name, um, and we began to actually get involved with the internet. Faculty uh, started getting email. We were using um, um, an email server uh, through our uh, networking server, and it, it began to mushroom. Uh, by 2003, I began to set up um, sites uh, on our server so that faculty members could put their syllabi uh, up for students to look at and class notes and those kinds of things. And I was writing the code myself, uh, the um, um HTML uh, code uh, for putting all of these things up for faculty members. By 2008, uh, it was decided it was time we needed a more professional type system where we could actually run classes online. Uh, And it was in 2008 um, that we got the Moodle uh, learning management system and Moodle was used for quite a number of years. Our first courses, I developed the very first uh, fully online course, Um, Early Church was uh, the the first fully online course uh, that we had here. And then from Moodle, uh, we continued to expand the network, expanded into the administrative area. And eventually we had to link all of our buildings together. And we did that with fiber optic. So truly I was not involved at that point. Uh, It had grown way beyond me, but that's a little bit of the history of uh, computers on campus.
0: Uh, Just listening to uh, some of our other guests, it's been great to hear them talk about all of that, and just how instrumental you were and other people throughout the time uh, here. So I appreciate the, the history of all that and just kind of bringing LBC, you know, alongside everyone else and the The, uh, the idea about the domain name is fantastic. I like that. <laughs> That's was, that was great. Uh, Dr. Gregory, you, you've had a, a long history with the institution as well, both uh, your, your father working here for a long time and you being a part of that as kind of a, a kid and young adult, then you yourself coming here as a student and uh, having a tremendous career as, as an athlete here and playing a couple of different sports and just sort of staying involved, and then coming back after a little break um, as a, you know, in your professional life now as a professor. Um, what was LBC like to you as a, as a teenager or, you know, as a kid? I think about my kids, they come on campus, and this is the greatest thing ever. And, uh, you know, but then coming back, you know, as a student, and then coming back as a professional, you've kind of seen it in all phases of your life.
2: Yeah, you're quite right, Zach. Uh, When I would come over here, uh, yeah, this was the greatest place ever. The sporting events were the the pinnacle of uh, what sports was all about. I got very excited about um, watching the soccer and the basketball and, Uh, the various sports that were going on not as many as we have now Um, and uh, it was always a lot of fun to come over a lot of open space Uh, there were tennis courts my brother and I would come over and we'd play some tennis we could go into the gym and shoot baskets and uh, you know whatever the season was we were playing the sports and uh, there was plenty of room to do that here and I remember coming to those sporting events and looking up to uh, the athletes that were there and uh, uh, we moved here when I was 12 years old. So I was going into seventh grade and I was just starting to play sports in an organized way. So it was always fun to come over and see those that were at a uh, another level above us. And uh, actually, in my high school years, LBC had some pretty good soccer teams. We had some pretty good players. And um, It was a lot of fun uh, in the fact that there was a Bible college conference uh, because there were so many Bible colleges in the area. It's it's actually a bit sad to see how several of them have closed. But we had Berkshire Christian College in Massachusetts. We had Northeastern Bible College up in northeastern New Jersey. Obviously, there was uh, what's now Clark Summit University, at that time it was Baptist Bible College, uh, Washington Bible College, that's became a part of LBC uh, a few years ago, Cairn uh, University, back then it was Philadelphia College of Bible, and uh, United Wesleyan, which was a small school in Allentown, and Valley Forge, so there were seven or eight schools in that conference, uh, and uh we, we enjoyed the competition. Uh, we are at a different level now, I will say. NCAA Division three is at a very different level than we were back then. Uh, when I came to LBC, um, I had played soccer in high school. And so I, I tell people I was a soccer player and I played on the basketball team. Um, I wasn't a bad basketball player, but it was more on the defensive end, and soccer gave you that good footwork to be able to do that. Um, on the downside of seeing LBC as sort of the pinnacle of things, when I came as a student, I think I took my sports a little too seriously. Uh, I was sometimes afraid to shoot, sometimes afraid to take people on in, the, in soccer, um, and I uh, I think if I would have relaxed a little more, I would have uh, actually scored more points and scored more goals, Um, but I sometimes did take it a little too seriously. Um, But uh, I will say this, uh, on the soccer team, when I was playing, we had a couple of guys on the team that had played football in high school and we didn't have football, and so they wanted to play a sport. Um, And as I mentioned, I didn't play basketball in uh, high school, but I played a lot of pickup basketball and that kind of thing. I was athletic, so um, I enjoyed that. Um, and uh, even got a trip to Florida uh, in, in the, the whole thing. My freshman year, uh, we took a trip all the way to Florida. Um, and uh, this year brought back some memories when uh, our LBC guys, Played Liberty University. Uh, now they're in the NCAA tournament, but uh, back then uh, Liberty was much school uh, was much smaller. In fact, they were just building their campus, and we played a uh, in a little holiday tournament down at Liberty. Um, it wasn't actually on their campus. We played in a high school gym. Uh, we went to Liberty Mountain, and and my. My memory of Liberty Mountain was they were building the dorms at that point. And outside of one of the dorms was a Coke machine in the mud outside. So I guess it was for the guys that were doing the construction. Um, But in that tournament, we played Longwood University, which is also Division One now. It wasn't then. I think it was Division Two. They pressed us the whole game we were behind by about 50 points at halftime. And they still pressed in the second half. And I looked back and I think we lost by 89 or 91 points in that game. It was like 140 to 49. So uh, that was a bad experience for, <laughs> for us. It was a beat down. But then we played Liberty. And I think we we only lost to them by about 14 points. Um, so we put it on a Good showing there, but uh, but it was a great time. Uh, we went all the way to Florida, as I mentioned, and uh, it was a great time bonding with the team. And uh, our coach was Tom Hubbard. He was the athletic director at that point. Uh, Sandy Good was my soccer coach from my uh, sophomore to my senior year. Um, at that point, he was the Dean of Men. Uh, my freshman year uh, my coach was one of the best soccer players ever played at LBC in the early years, Jude Nixon. Uh, he was a fantastic player. He's from Grenada, and uh, um, he was fast, and he, he was a good player. Um, enjoyed watching him very much. Um, and so um, now I've come back, and now LBC is uh, NCAA Division III. Um, And it's great to see the advance that there has been. I definitely would not have tried out for the basketball team uh, now. Um, That that wouldn't have happened, but I would have uh, have been looking at playing on the soccer team and I would have enjoyed that. Um, Let me just mention one thing um, about the advance of sports and uh, it's related to the gym. Uh, In the gym, we now actually have a new floor. Well, it's not so new anymore, but um, what is it, about 10, 12 years old? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Well, we used to have a floor that had these parquet tiles that were glued straight to the concrete. And um, we're not sure how this happened, but the conjecture is that the concrete was not allowed to cure fully before they glued the tiles onto the floor. And so after about three or four years, um, the tiles started to come up. And so someone would go to cut in a basketball game and tiles would go flying. (laughs) At that point, they were playing street hockey in the gym. And there was a joke about you know, you, you hit the floor and instead of the ball going into the net, you get one of the tiles to go into the net. <laughs> I spent a whole summer, I worked with a physical plant one summer and spent the whole summer pulling up tiles, numbering them with tape. So we would put them back in the same order, cleaning off the backs of the tiles, cleaning off the floor and uh, we would do big sections. And so then they would put the new glue down and we re-glued the tiles on that floor. <laughs> so uh, so that was uh, an interesting experience. At least though, I got to work in the air conditioning that summer. Um, so that was one benefit of it, but I was on my knees and on the floor <laughs> the whole summer just about. Um, but it is interesting, if you walk, when you walk into the gym, people might not notice this, they probably do, but you do have to go up a slight incline uh, because the floor that we have now is not glued to the concrete it's hung properly like a like a basketball floor is supposed to be and so they had to raise the the baskets and and all of that um, but it's been great to see the development of the sports it's been great to see the development of the facilities as well I know there's still work that we want to do but uh, Built our own baseball field. We didn't have a baseball field back then. Uh, we had a pretty good baseball team. My junior and senior year, won the conference championship. Um, and uh, so we had to play down at Stump Field, down off of uh, Mannheim Pike. And uh, the hockey field was grass and bumpy, um, and of course this whole place had been a cornfield. The soccer field uh, had this nice crown on it um, that, uh, hey, it was a home field advantage because we got used to playing with the ball running out of bounds on the, on the, on the bleacher side of the field. Um, so it's been great to see the horse field, uh, the baseball field, the softball field, um, and uh, not the horse field. Horst Athletic Center to see the improvements there as well uh, with the new bleachers and the new seats and the funk field. Um, I would have loved to have played on that. So (laughs) those are some of my memories and also just um, the joy at seeing the advancement in athletics here at LBC.
0: One of the jokes we used to have was if someone was on the far side, you couldn't take their picture because it would cut them off at the waist. So I had to make sure our student workers were taking pictures of people on this side of the field so we could get their feet in the pictures because it would cut them off with that old field. Um, you mentioned the advancement of, of the institution. Um, you, since you guys have, have been associated with LBC for so long, what do you remember about some of the projects on campus? We spoke with Dr. Tegg, a few, uh, excuse me, a few weeks ago, about the building of Good Shepherd Chapel and how um, some buildings had to come down for that to uh, be initiated, with with Becker Hall coming down and eventually an old main coming down too. What do you remember about some of the projects, whether they be recent or in years past?
2: Well, I do remember um, uh, the morphing, and this would have been something that I know Harold would remember. Uh, The changes that took place in Esbenshade my mom worked in the kitchen and on Sundays uh, once a month she would be working in the kitchen so we would have our Sunday dinner uh, in the dining hall and that was one half of the lower part of Esbenshade Hall was kitchen and dining hall. Um, By the time I was a student that had changed the ODC had been built Uh, And of course that was expanded later. And uh, if uh, you never noticed this, you can look at the roof lines and you can see where the old part was and then where they added the new part. And so the roof lines help with that. Um, I can remember when they built the horse athletic center and uh, they had already changed the old gym, which was then the library into the library and so there was chapel in the tent for a while. Now that was a couple of years before I was a student, um, but let me just say I was very glad when they built the the GSC, the Good Shepherd Chapel. It changed the face of the campus tremendously. Uh, I was in South Africa and came back from South Africa on furlough. And the first time I came on campus I could hardly believe the size of that building. But I say that because in the gym, uh, we used to have chapel in there. There was a stage, uh, large events were in there. Um, We had classes in there, terrible acoustics. (laughs) But the, the, the thing I remember mostly is setting up chairs and taking down chairs And I was working with maintenance on that. I don't know how many thousands of chairs I have put up and taken down uh, in that gym. Um, So that would have been for special events. And it was interesting because they uh, they had these carts that would roll and you would put the chairs on the cart sideways, and then you would roll them under the stage. There were doors in the front of the stage and underneath were these tracks that would have these carts that would put the chairs back there. And there were also carts for the tables and the tables would go
3: under there as well. And... uh, Gordon, uh, I remember that um, during the week, students and faculty had to actually take their chairs and move them off to the side and stack them. And I can remember that every once in a while, they would turn them the wrong direction and the stacks would just slide right out and you'd have chairs just flying out. And uh, Dr. Peterson would get so mad and he would get up front and he would show, this is how you stack the chairs. And he would go through all of that. I have to admit that uh, having chapel and large events in the gym had its um, it's funny moments. I can remember at one graduation, uh, Dr. Peterson, of course, takes everything so very serious, or not, yes, Dr. Peterson took things so very seriously, wanted everything to be uh, filled with uh, seriousness and pomp and so forth. And uh, he would normally, uh, as part of the commencement ceremony, he would give what Some of the faculty called a state of the union message, where he would talk about everything that had gone on during the year and what was happening. And I can recall at one graduation, he got up to the podium and he just began his speech and an alarm clock went off way up. Uh, in the scaffolding uh, that was used, I guess, for doing the basketball uh, nets and so forth. Um, And he did not stop. He did not acknowledge the alarm. He just kept right on going. It was hilarious. (laughs) However, the hilarity stopped once he got back to his office.
1: Dr. Kime, I recall that as well. I, that was actually in my time as a student at LBC. And uh, I, I I, may or may not know who put that alarm clock up there. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it was up in the, uh, uh, where the spotlights were. I, yes, I, yes. I, I, I totally recall that. All you right. know, I, I also, when I was a student there, yeah, Chapel was still in Horse Athletic Center as well. And I remember once or twice, uh, you always grabbed a hymnal on the way into the chapel too. And somebody had put a penny in every hymnal. So when mm-hmm. somebody said, open your hymnal to number 235, the hymnals opened and all you heard were pennies dropping all over that, that parquet floor.
3: The faculty uh, would sit up on the stage during graduation and they had risers, but there were chairs on the risers. And on one occasion, there was a faculty member in the back row that leaned back and fell
1: completely off <laughs> <laughs> oh things were just not as simple <laughs> oh my i both of you uh for the for the sake of this is an alumni podcast that we're doing both of you are alums of lancaster bible college in fact dr Kaim. You've just recently celebrated 50 years uh, with your degree at LBC. And uh, Dr. Gregory, it was 1982 when you graduated from the college as well. When you were a student, did you ever think you would come back and serve in the Bible theology department or help get computers started on campus or anything like that? What, uh, was, was that a thought in your mind? It
3: wasn't in mine, no. Um... Again, you have to remember that I accepted the Lord about a month before I came. And back in those days, uh, Langster Bible College was pretty strict. Um, we had chaperoned dating when I was a student. As freshmen, you could only go on a date if you were chaperoned. Uh, another interesting um, regulation was that if you were not 21, you could not get engaged. And um, again, I was dating the Dean's daughter at the time. Um, and I know that there were some faculty members going around and saying to Dr. Feigert, you might want to watch out for that guy. I don't know about your daughter dating him. So there, there was absolutely no thought about coming back and being a, a faculty member.
2: But it didn't take you long to come back.
3: No, it didn't, uh, really. Uh, I graduated in 70 and came back in 76. Yeah.
2: And you did seminary and finish your degree in that time as well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, if, I, if I thought about the professors I had, I always thought to myself, oh, there is no way I can be like them. I, and they were old and stately and had their doctorates and uh, and actually theology and uh, pastoral ministries was my major was pastoral ministries and uh, Dr. Gibson and Dr. Feiger were the two theology professors full-time theology professors and uh, they were both the same age as my parents and so you know I always thought of a professor as uh, this person that I had put up on a pedestal. Um, now that I'm doing it, uh, I I don't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> but but I did always have this desire to come back to LBC. I really did. Um, you know, having grown up around the campus, um, it was almost like a second home for me. Um, When we moved here, I was 12. It was a really difficult year, but the college was a place where I really enjoyed what was going on here. Um, And so I always sort of had this dream, uh, never really expected it to come to fruition. And then LBC contacted me. I I didn't actually look for the position I had. They they contacted me. And uh, I was actually floored when Phil Dearborn said, would you consider being the dean? Um, So I came as even a position above what I would have ever thought I would have done. Um, But uh, I am very thankful that the Lord brought me back. I thoroughly enjoyed being back at LBC. I will say this though, um, I did work here after seminary um, while my wife and I were raising support to go to South Africa, I worked as dean of men and, uh, and then I worked in the admissions office. So uh, I have Matt Schaefer in class and Matt Schaefer is the grandson of Bob and Joanne Roper. And I had each of them up as a boss for one year. Um, and uh, so that's been fun. Um, I also came back and I taught some classes when we were on furlough 92, 93. And then uh, in the year 1998 in the spring and then the fall, I had the chance to teach and that's when Dr. Keg came. Um, so it was great to be able to um, meet him um, when he first started here at LBC.
0: And along those lines, uh, the two of you have uh, either been a student or, or been employed here uh, by almost, almost all of our presidents actually, uh, dating back to, to Dr. uh when Dr. Kahn was a student here. What do you remember about those men that made them great leaders for the time that LBC was in? When we talked to Dr. Tegg, he made the point of that each president who was here has served at a time when the college needed that individual to serve uh, for a variety of reasons. But what made some of these men, whether working for them or being a student under them or whatever it may be, what made them uh, the, the right person for the job at that time?
3: Well, I can go back to Dr. Leese. and Dr. Leese was a very stately individual. Uh, he taught uh, several Bible classes uh, while he was president. I remember having him for general epistles. But what I remember about Dr. Leese the most was uh, he always had President's Chapel on Friday. I, I think that must have started with him. Uh, of course, I can't go back any further than that. But he always spoke uh, on Fridays, and he was a, a very polished exegete of the Word of God. Um, he always had these spiritual platitudes, you might say. I can remember that he annually, or maybe it was even once a semester, uh, he would have uh, a saying for the year or a saying for the semester uh, that was a little jingle uh, of uh, spiritual advice and uh, encouragement. Uh, He was also the one that transitioned from being a three-year Bible Institute to being a four-year Bible college. And that was a time when there was a tremendous amount of growth buildings happening on campus. Uh, I graduated from Lancaster School of the Bible in 1970. When I came back in 76, it was absolutely amazing to see the difference in the look of the school, how many buildings had been built, how much larger uh, the, uh, the, the enrollment was, um, it, it was quite something. However, uh, when Dr. Lease, and when I guess the administration at that time was planning for growth, they probably planned uh, for a little more growth than they actually had. And that led to the fact that the school became uh, financially in trouble. And I can remember it was right after I came on the faculty um, that um, salaries were being rolled back. Um, There was tremendous budgetary pressure. And it was Dr. Peterson that was really left with the job uh, of bringing financial stability. Um, And he did, He, he was a person who could bring in donors, uh, who had the management skills uh, to uh, work you know, with the financial institutions and so forth. And I can remember that one of the things he used to say is, Lancaster Bible College is one of the best kept secrets in Lancaster, uh, because it was. Uh, we, were, we were unknown in the broader community and he helped to bring those community relationships to a place where Lancaster Bible College became a very known entity in the community and especially I think in the Christian community. Um, for Dr. Tag, for me, Dr. Tag was a settling force. Um, he was the one um, that brought maybe a little more compassion uh, to the administration uh, who was able to bring people to a place of um, really caring and concerning for one another. Um, he, he was a true, I would say, shepherd uh, as a pastor. Uh, I, unfortunately, I have uh, not been at school with uh, Dr. Kiedis, so I can't speak to him. Yeah,
2: Yeah. partly because it's been tough with COVID. He's, you know, uh, we're not circulating on campus very much. Um, But but I will say this, he is definitely uh, understanding what's going on in the times, and uh, he is Um, helping us to see some of the challenges that we may be facing as a Bible college in the days to come. But he's also a great encourager. Um, When he sees a challenge, he sees it as an opportunity. Um, So I I would add some of that to uh, what you've said about the other three men. Um, Just one comment on Dr. Lee's Was he the one that always had You said those little jingles, they always rhymed
3: with. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can remember uh, in general epistles, um, he would give you outlines and you had to memorize the outlines and the outline of first and second Peter. Every single point began with a P. So, yes, he was big into this poetic kind of uh, rhyming and jingling. Yes, very much so.
0: Yeah. (laughs)
2: Yeah, let me me make one comment about the building that went on under Dr. Lees. Um, There's a building on campus that was built then that's no longer in existence, Brubaker Hall. Um, Brubaker Hall had a reputation right from the start. And Bob probably knows the name, the Brubaker Zoo. It was called that from the must have been right from the time that it was built because the guys that were in that dorm they i I don't think they did but they probably should have collected extra damage deposits from the guys in that dorm because they were always having to fix the walls because of wrestling or fights that would take place in there and they would go through the the uh drywall and uh so um, there was a guy in my dorm. I was in Jehovah Nissi and it had these open rooms. And there was a guy that I was, and this was my freshman year. So the freshmen got the open rooms. We didn't have doors. Um, and there was a guy in the open room across from me that got tangled up with some of the guys in Brewbaker. And that was a big mistake because they ended up puncturing a shaving cream can and throwing it into his dorm room. <laughs> and that went spraying all over everything in his room. Um, I don't know if he learned his lesson, I don't remember. But uh, yeah, there were some hijinks that took place. Um, another one that happened was around Halloween. I, I worked campus safety. And I'm sorry to say this happened on my watch, but a couple of the guys got on top of Espen Shade and the steeple on top of Espen Shade, they stuck a pumpkin on the steeple on top of Espen Shade. Uh, I think they did find out who did it. I didn't know, it's a big campus. I know I couldn't cover all of it all (laughs) on my own, but but I was working campus safety that night. And uh, anyway, so. The, I, th- I think those were guys from Brubaker as well. So um, it, it had its reputation. So I understand why they tore it down. It probably was about ready to fall down if if they hadn't taken it down, especially the floors on the second floor.
1: Well, I, I think that's part of it. Uh, Brubaker and Clemens were not the the sturdiest buildings that were ever built on our campus. That is absolutely true. Um, uh, that, I know the ladies have had problems with the toilets in there. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yep, Dr. Kime, uh, you are kind of known for uh, uh, being the the Bible prof that uh, did a lot with Romans and Corinthians, and uh, I, that that is kind of uh, just an earmarked course that most most people from my generation and probably even before remember you for. One of the things I totally remember doing for both those courses, though, are note cards, and. Yes. Uh, I, I think I even probably could dig them out still. Um, where, where did that come from? Where did you uh, discover the whole idea of like doing uh, the biblical hermeneutics of using note cards and the spiral bound note cards even?
3: Okay, uh, that actually came from my seminary training. Uh, in seminary, I had a uh, professor by the name of Tom Edgar. By the way, I'm a graduate of Lancaster School of Bible. Washington Bible College, and Capital Bible Seminary, all of which are now under the umbrella of Lancaster Bible College.
0: Um,
3: So I'm kind of an alumnus of three different institutions under our umbrella. In seminary, we were asked to uh, create what I later called mechanical layouts, um, but structure charts, structure diagrams, Uh, In Greek, Um, when I originally had Greek, both at um, Lancaster School of Bible and then Washington Bible College, what was very common was doing what's called sentence diagramming uh, with the lines everywhere. And uh, I found that to be very cumbersome because you had to draw all these lines. Uh, And then, of course, when it became computerized, it really became a mess trying to do that. So when I was in seminary with Dr. Edgar, he was having us doing free diagramming without any lines. Um, and I took that idea and brought it over into my English Bible courses. Uh, so that's pretty much where it came from. And we're still doing it mm-hmm. in, in my courses. And I will give um, a, um, a, a plug you can also get structured charts for the book of Romans that I put together uh, in, uh, in print from Amazon.
1: Okay. Yep, yep. Very, very good. And, and Dr. Gregory, I think uh, if, if you talk to most alumni, uh, obviously recent ones, more recent ones in the last 10, 15 years are, are gonna think of you immediately. But beyond that, uh, many of our older alumni are gonna think of your dad. And uh, I, I remember him as a student. And then when I came on staff myself for a bit, uh, just uh, the nickname of Smiley and all that stuff. Can you give a little update on how your dad's doing and everything?
2: Uh, let me also mention my mom. She worked Yes, absolutely. In and a lot of students loved her. Uh, my mom passed away four years ago on March 7th. Um, she had Parkinson's disease. Um, and so she's with the Lord. Uh, but my dad is uh, physically doing very well. Um, he's uh, at Calvary Homes in personal care and he's in personal care because um, he's had some cognitive decline. His personality hasn't changed. He still tells jokes. He still gets on people's cases and jokes about them. Um, and uh, But he doesn't remember what took place 15 minutes ago or half an hour ago. So to make sure he takes his meds, which are very few, because again, he's in very good shape physically. Um, And he still remembers those old days at LBC. Um, And there are people that, a lot of LBC people that are at Calvary Homes, uh, one person that he sees regularly even with COVID is Walter Huss, Mm. um, who worked in maintenance here and used to work on our cars and that kind of thing. So yeah, he's, he's doing very well. He still reads his Bible. Still prays, um, and those were two major parts of his life. Always have been, Um, and so yeah, he's he's still going. Ninety-one years old.
1: Wow. Wow. And Dr. Kime, do are you able to give an update on your family too? Because not only uh, did you marry the dean's daughter. Uh, but, uh, he was a, 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 lifetime member of, uh, like the, the Bible theology department. And then even your children, uh, your son is, uh, has been an adjunct for LBC too. Yes, that's true. Uh,
3: Dr. Feigert passed away in 2017, 2000, the end of 2017, yeah. the beginning of 2017. I'm getting a word from my wife over here, <laughs> um, He was 91, uh, I believe, when he passed away. Um, I have three children. They're all walking with the Lord. And as you mentioned, our oldest son, Joel, is pastoring locally, and he teaches uh, adjunct uh, for LBC. Uh, It's interesting that he is now teaching some of the courses that I used to teach. (laughs) So, and that's a joy. That is indeed a joy. Um, yeah, all three of our children are teaching in some capacity. Uh, our son, Jeffrey, is teaching um, marriage uh, and family uh, k- uh, courses for Penn State, and our daughter is uh, teaching um, cultural diversity courses uh, through um, Eastern and through Pennsylvania College of Health. Is that what it is, Yeah so yeah they're doing well yeah well and uh, by now. the way i also say that our grandson uh, one of our grandsons has applied uh to do graduate work uh with lbc in the area of um educational counseling counseling
1: program school counseling yeah well that that is just exciting and gordon uh three out of four year children are lbc alums and have gone on to to do a, a number of different things as well. So,
2: yes, that's correct. We tried to cover as many different departments as possible in my family. Um, my wife actually graduated twice. Yeah. Um, so, and a son-in-law graduated as well, Dan McAllister. So, yep. but yeah, they're all they're all doing well. My youngest, Jessica, got her social work degree here, and in May. She will graduate from Baylor University from the seminary and the grad school with a dual MDiv and Master of Social Work. And Eric is finishing up his MDiv next year sometime here at LBC as well.
1: And, and is serving on staff at Calvary Church locally. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, well, this has been a, a wonderful time with uh, both of you. Um, I, I'll give both of you a, a chance as any anything else that you would like to share yet, or um, like we we truly have appreciated it and wish we could go on and on forever, but uh, we want to respect your time and our listeners' time as well. So, any, any have, last thoughts?
2: I have one quick one. Yeah, uh, when LBC went from LSB to LBC, there was some thought of going from LSB, and at that time it was PCB, Philadelphia College Bible, yeah. and we were Lancaster School of the Bible. And so how about LCB? Well, that was not gonna work because LCB in this area is the liquor control Boards. So yep, not gonna work. So it had to be <laughs> Lancaster Bible College.
3: Yep. Yep. And I'll just say that um, being affiliated with the school for over 50 years, when I came here as a student, it stood true to the word of God. And I can say that today it continues to stand true to the word of God. Um, ministry is still ministry and I thank the lord that we are still preparing young people to serve him whether it is professionally in full-time ministry or if it is as a layperson and uh, that is a tremendous um, delight to me
1: yeah I, I I think that is so much of it that that um, I, I think our alums need to hear that more and more all the time that Lancaster Bible College is still Lancaster Bible College and a credit to many of you in the Bible Theology Department both as alumni and and now just as uh, great friends of the college too uh, you know I, it, it's wonderful to know that um, methods may have changed you know we might not be doing note cards for Romans and Corinthians anymore but uh, we're still teaching Romans and Corinthians and right. and those truths are timeless, and and that's the great news that we are still training students at like Bible College to to be light and salt in this world. So uh, I'm I'm so thankful for uh, both of you as professors, and and thankful for just your heart and love for God and for people. Thank you,
0: thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we appreciate the the stories, and we appreciate you. Uh, as men uh, who have led many students here at, uh, at Lancaster Bible College. So thank you very much. We hope to see you around campus and Bob, we'll talk to you very soon.
1: Yep, we're excited and we look forward to talking to some more professors and, and even some more alums here in the near future too. So again, thanks for joining us today. You're welcome.